Hey, Jack. How's it going? Uh, Not a good week. Just a recap. So the Redskins lost. The Caps lost yesterday. Yep. Big Maryland, uh, University of Maryland fan. I, do, I grew up just 20 minutes away from campus. They lost despite, and not to mention all the debacle that's going on through that administration. The Wizards lost on Friday. Uh, let's see. D.C. United lost. If it wasn't for the Wizards winning tonight, I would be even more depressed. Yep, it's been a it's been a bad <laughs> overall week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, it has. Um, let's see. Where we go? I'm just looking for my computer froze to me. Crap. There we go. So, um, yes, it was not. That was not a fun Sunday afternoon. I'm sure you can relate. Yeah, there was. There was not too much. I mean, even just from the beginning, you could tell that this wasn't going to be a game that they were – if they were going to win, it wasn't going to be one of those games that they won very easily. Yep. yep. So let's get started. Let's do a little bit of intro here. Welcome, everyone, to the Hogcast. We appreciated the number of listens that we received last week. We'll continue to keep it going. And my, I'm your host, Tom Natale. You can follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Natale. And I am joined here today by my good friend and co-host, Jack Brizendine. Did I say that correctly? Yep, you got it. And your Twitter handle is? Jack P. Brizendine. Got it. So, as always, we are doing this podcast for our sports website called dmvsportsnetwork.com. And they can be followed on Twitter at dmv underscore sn. They have great daily content of all things DC sports, fantasy football, basketball, baseball, hockey, you name it. They got it covered. Um, be sure to subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available. And uh, sadly, let's get back into it. It was uh, it was a debacle. I think to, I think both you and I picked them to lose, right? Uh, no, I know. I picked them to win. I believe seventeen thirty four. So I was very much off. <laughs> yep, you got uh, you picked a thirty four seventeen. Yep, I said thirty to twenty. Um, <clears throat> so we got the final score here of thirty eight to fourteen. And, uh, you know, pretty much similar to our other two losses against the Colts and against the Saints. You know, this was pretty much over to right from the start. Oh, yeah. And as soon as – because for most of – every game this year, Adrian Peterson has dictated how <laughs> we played. And when you saw him just sort of get bottled up on the first couple of plays on each yeah. drive, you could yeah. tell it was going to be a long day. You know, um, so – just for everyone listening, uh, Jack is really the one that kind of starts it. He usually will send me a text like, hey, you ready? Yep. And I said, I need a couple minutes of doing some research. I was doing, on research, doing research on that exact individual that you just named. If I'm going, to, I'm going to be sneezing and blowing my nose a lot, I have a cold at the moment. So FYI, I feel a sneeze coming on. Anyway, so here are, some, here are some stats through our eight games. We're at the midpoint way of the season thus far. Week one, which was a win. Adrian Peterson, 26 carries for 96 yards and a touchdown. Week two, that was a loss against the Colts, 11 carries for 20 yards. Week three, win against the Packers, 19 carries for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Week four, that was a Saints debacle. He, did, he was injured. He didn't return back in that game. That was four carries for six yards. Week five against the Panthers, 17 for 97. Sixth game against the Cowboys, win 24 for 99. Last week against the Giants, 26 for 149, and today, 9 for 17. So what I did was I, I already took the Saints game out of the equation because yep. he was hurt. So 
In those other two losses, this is what he is averaging per game in those games. 10 carries for 18 and a half yards. So he's under two yards per carry. And he's receiving right at 10 carries um, on the average of those two games. So 11 in week two and then nine carries today. It is uh, pretty simple as to why this team lost, at least from um, on these three losses. It's when AP is not involved, uh, this team doesn't have an answer. And, you know, often stats are thrown out there on a daily basis. I mean, I was getting into it with Redskins fans on Twitter tonight. It's, you know, a lot of stats where you can say causation is not correlation. I, I feel like this statistic of when AP is running heavy or whoever the running back is, when we have a run-heavy offense controlling the clock, we win. When we don't, we lose. Yep. I mean, I think the thing with the Redskins is they play defense that when teams play the defense that they play, the Redskins lose. Because the Redskins on defense, what they're so good at is – making teams one-dimensional, not being able to run the ball, forcing them to pass. And that's mm-hmm. just what the Reds can struggle with when you can see when they can't run the ball, they can't win games with passing or even just hang around with a passing game because mm-hmm. today they were forced to keep throwing the ball down the field and they just couldn't They couldn't keep nope. up with them. Nope, yeah, and uh, Alex Smith went 30 for 46, 300, 306 yards passing, um, all of which are uh, season highs thus far, one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked three times. Yeah, he actually led our team in rushing for one carry for 22 yards. It kind of speaks to the day that we had. Um, you know, there's – I've been – I'm snarky. I, I'll be the first to admit that where I say, Alex Smith ain't it, guys. Yep. And, uh, this, this tweet remains scheduled, hashtag Redskins. And, you know, I, I'm not pinning this loss on him. Uh, I mean, he – when I think of people that really, really stunk up the joint, he is not one of them. Um, at the same time, I think you and I can both agree that Alex Smith should not be throwing it 46 times a game. No, no. I mean, he had, he had a few drops to put in there. He did. That were, he did. Those, those aren't on him. I mean, with Docs, yep. you got to catch those. Yep, on uh, two drops on one possession. Yep. Oh, boy. Yep. And it was – you know, this was a big week for the Redskins. I mean, they made a – Really, really high-profile trade in the acquisition of Ha Ha Clinton Dix from the Packers. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, this was the two highest-graded safeties of the season in DJ Swearinger and Clinton Dix. And we already thought. I mean, this defense is really, really good, and now we're just adding strength to a strength. And uh, you know, I felt that was a way to combat what the rest of the NFC East did, well, what the Cowboys and Eagles did in acquiring. Amari Cooper and Golden Tate, respectively. You know, on paper, that was, this was like for in for a fourth round pick. We're yeah. like, why? This is a, this is very unredskins like. This is uh, smart and assertive. <laughs> yeah, and assertive, and, and almost an action that can be uh, construed as you know going all in. Yeah. Where you know, the, as we I, just, I was again on Twitter earlier. I mean, this was the first time we were five and two in ten years. So, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a credit to the front, or, uh, front office to make a trade such as that. But um, then Matt Ryan just tore us to shreds, 350 yeah. yards passing, four touchdowns. Um, he was phenomenal, as you would expect. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about it last week, how talented the Falcons offense is, despite um, some injuries, which mostly on the defensive side of the ball. But, 
you know, Tevin Coleman had two touchdowns. Julio Jones had his first touchdown. Uh, Calvin Ridley was incredible. Mosa knew was good too. I mean, it was, uh, you know, the Falcons were considered to be a team on the fringe of contending going into the season. I feel like they showed why they were just far and away the better team. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things that caused trouble with the Redskins was the type of running backs they're facing because up mm-hmm. until this point, I think the closest thing to a straight um, outside running back, like just speed-based running back that they got was Christian McCaffrey, and they didn't really mm-hmm. do that much with him in that game. So I think the fact that Tevin Coleman and Ida Smith were pure speed running to the outside really, you know, yeah. making Preston Smith and Ryan Kerrigan, some of these corners – play pretty heavy and run de- defense that's where they started to struggle a bit yeah and it was so the falcons overall had 24 carries for 154 yards that's a 6.4 average uh in one touchdown they were just i i, I mean we thought this was going to be i mean it's it's been our run defense has been one of the best in football it, yep. it, it was to the point it was it was weird i was you know i was with some friends of mine earlier in the week and like i'm going to bench tevin coleman when has that ever happened that we're benching a starting player yeah. to play against the Redskins? And at the same time, I would have too. Uh, I mean, there was a sample size of, what, about a month straight of uh, the Redskins defense just dominating running backs. And uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have expected Tevin Coleman and Edo Smith to be uh, the, the, the spoilers to that in that regard. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Wilkins did the same thing in week two, and that's another name that you wouldn't think, you know, mm-hmm. if you had five running backs and you had Tevin Coleman, Jordan Wilkins, mm-hmm. Taquan, Zeke, and I don't know, Ingram, you wouldn't think that Wilkins and T- Coleman would be the ones no, starting up the defense. No, no, definitely not. And Still didn't get that 20-yard run, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just that, checking that. Tevin that Coleman had a 16-yard run. There we go. You know, it was – I'm thinking about when the Redskins have played premier quarterbacks. They've played three thus far, Aaron yep. Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Matt Ryan. Now, I would say when we played Aaron Rodgers, he had no help whatsoever with his wide receiving core and running backs. I mean, he was throwing to guys I've never heard of before. And, you know, at the same time, it's Aaron Rodgers, and he you know, makes chicken salad out of chicken shit every single day. Yep. Um, at the same time, it's been, you know, two out of three of those opponents, the quarterback has just – just eviscerated us in in every which in every which way, and uh, I mean it was just you know for the all three losses it's just one of those games where good God nothing can get right. Yeah, and I think that's going to happen. I mean, these veteran quarterbacks are pretty pretty good at what they do. The fact that they've stuck around this long in the league means they're pretty mm-hmm. good at what they do. But I think, Absolutely. and I think to some degree you're going to expect them at least one or two of them to light you up each year. But mm-hmm. I think that we got those kind of out of the way, I think, for the rest of the year. I mean, we fence, face Wentz twice, and then we've got, I think, Watson. We've got Watson once. But other than that, uh-huh. I don't think that there's another quarterback on the schedule that really is that frightening. So I think sure. that they're going to do okay down the line with, with some of the quarterbacks yeah, they got up. Yeah, one, one would think, but it was just – you know, what, what's strange is because typically when you have a team that is in playoff contention, they're involved in almost every game that they play. Yeah. But strangely enough, in our three losses, it's been uh, – yeah. yeah, it's been an absolute blowout. Yeah, and that's a little bit – it's a little scary to see your team, you know, as good as it is to be 5-2 and two when you're winning by, you know, 
only one possession games, and when you lose, you lose by like three possessions. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit concerning just to look at because it makes you feel like is this team real or is it yeah. just getting the better side of the coin in some of these games? You know, and actually that was one of my questions because now we're here at the midpoint of the season. We're five and three, so technically we're on pace to go ten and six. And if you were to tell me at the beginning of the season that we would be five and three through eight games played, I'm like, uh, what? Sign me up. Yeah. Sounds great. But it's just, I don't know. Why am I not convinced? Why am I not like just, you know, doing the moonwalk like I thought I would be to, if you were to ask me this two months ago? I think, I think you just, if the offense was at least the slightest bit competent, and the mm-hmm. defense was maybe if the defense and the offense were both on scales one to ten, just both like solid sixes. I mm-hmm. think people would be a little more have a little more invested in this team. I I just feel like you know you feel like if Adrian Peterson were to go down, this the season would be over. Yeah, I, I just yeah I think that's why people don't really and fans even are just a little bit shaky on whether to trust this team because it seems like there are just so many different factors that if mm-hmm. one thing goes wrong, the season could be a wash. Yeah, and, and a lot went wrong today. And, yeah. and and I guess that's why I just feel like they're on thin ice. Yeah. And, you know, today I, I would say what was so concerning was the amount of injuries that, that, that occurred. Oh, yeah. Um, Brandon Sheriff looks like he had a pretty um, uh, bad injury. I mean, he looked like he was in agony. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Moses had to go out in which they had to bring in their rookie third-round pick, uh, Jerron Christian, from – I think he was out of Louisville. And – he is, you know, no disrespect to him, but he, he is not ready to be playing yeah. in an NFL game at this point. Definitely a project. Yeah. And, you know, Trent Williams is out. Jameson Crowder's hurt. Uh, looks like Jordan Reed, either he was hurt or just taken out of the game. I don't know what happened. Um, yeah. But, you know, this was one of those just, just oh, my God, what if, what if this happens? What if that happens? And it all did. So, yeah. Yeah, they got they got to the point where I think – I mean, after Scherf went out, there was no one else who could have come back in. I think that someone said that Matt Ioannidis was their emergency lineman. but He, he was the emergency yeah. lineman, and, uh, yeah, that should not – that's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's a little that's, scary. <laughs> yeah, I, I would assume that the Redskins are going to do something um, probably this week with uh, some kind of contingency plan with their offensive line because I – I think we can confidently say that John Christian should not be no. have to be put in position like that. He needs essentially like a red shirt type of year. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you, know. you um did you happen to catch the tweet that Chad, Chad Duke sent out saying that the Washington Redskins should start Colt McCoy next year or next <laughs> next week? I, I I did see that and yeah, it was. It, it's actually. Uh, it's an interesting question. So, I mean, if you're looking at – where are we at? If we're looking at Alex Smith's stats, and he's the, he's the highest-paid player on our team. Yep. Um, and he's being paid to play like he did last year. I mean, we, we would probably be getting the same level of uh, efficiency out of Colt McCoy for, what, a tenth of the price. Um, you know, at the same time, he, he probably wouldn't be able to protect the ball as well as Alex Smith. Yeah. You know, he's uh, – now I was looking at the quarterback statistics uh, league-wide, and Alex Smith is in the bottom 10 in uh, total passing yardage and uh, yards per attempt. 
it's uh, it's just frustrating to me because we, we talked about this last week. We go, what if the run game is shut down? What if we have yep. to get in a shootout? And well, do we have confident confidence in Alex Smith that he can, you know, toss it 45 plus uh, times a game and, you know, find ways to, to win. And it's, that's not going to work. Yeah. It showed today that they can't, they can't win these games where they have to get in the shootout because if the offense could compete in the shootout, they probably, the final score would have been a lot closer than it was today. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that he, I believe he went, he, his average yards per pass was, yeah, 6.7 yards, which I got to see 7.5 or higher. I got to get, mm-hmm. I got to get that number up just because when you have that, it just shows that your offense isn't going to, it's it's a very deceiving stat because you think, oh, 6.7 per pass, just pass it twice and then you got first mm-hmm. down. But that's really, I mean, you just got to get that number up because yeah. you're not going to get the ball moving. No, definitely not. And it was, uh, I mean, if there's anything, any light to shed on from this, I would say it was, uh, you know, Mo Harris had a good game, 10 catches, oh, yeah. 100 plus yards. Um, that was, that was about it, I would say. He started 12 times. Wow. It's pretty, pretty heavy, heavy bulk, bulk of the offense for a guy who used a lot of Redskins fans right off. Other, mm-hmm. I feel like they would, a lot of Redskins fans would have written him off by now if he had, didn't have that amazing catch against the Vikings last year. So it's good yeah. to see one of our depth guys showing out, even in an mm-hmm. ugly loss like this. Good to see yeah. that you've got some potential there. Yeah, and I know Dachshund was getting killed today um, for, yeah. you know, for, his, for his two drops. And then, yeah. Um, and then the, it was so frustrating. And I thought it was a, a BS call with the personal foul after spinning the football. Um, at the same time, what I found to be infuriating about that play, the one that he was flagged on, was we're down 21 points. <laughs> we have no reason, room to celebrate yeah. whatsoever. Shut up and give the ball back to the referee and go on to the next play. Well, from from what I heard was he spun the ball and they called a flag. And the next play, Maurice Harris did the same thing yep. and didn't get flagged. So nope. what they were arguing was, are you saying that he spun the ball at a player? Because even if he did, are we at the point where that's a flag? And it's just – it opened a whole can of worms as to why that was called mm-hmm. and to whether it should have been called. And, I mean – I don't think so. I don't think spinning the ball. I think it's something that everyone's done for the last, you know, decade. Yeah, Pierre Garçon did it every play. Yeah, like. he was a king of it. And I just don't think I, – I don't I don't get the penalty there. I think that was a reflection of the mm-hmm. referee, referee's performance on the day as well. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And what, that's something also I wanted to bring up was just how horrendous the officiating was today. Yep. Yeah, there was one call, I believe. I think it was on – it was on one big run play where they just had one guy wrapped around. It looks like one of those Ryan Kerrigan plays where it's a blatant foul that wasn't called. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like that was a, sort of like a theme for the day. Like there was a lot of stuff that just went wrong and it either wasn't called or it just – it was unavoidable. And it just felt – that that feels like what this game was. Although the team performed pretty – like it was a crap game. They had a lot of stuff that could have gone their way that just didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'd get, I, I'd agree with that. And to me, what I thought was so frustrating about the officiating, which they started to make up for towards the end of the game, was, yeah. you know, if you're going to have a ticky-tack, petty kind of call, 
make sure that you call it both ways. Yeah. And it felt like, you know, something that the Falcons were um, scheming was, were these pick plays, yeah. which on a number of occasions, and, and specifically, I remember Calvin Ridley's touchdown. To me, I thought that was clearly offensive pass interference on uh, Mohamed Sanu, but they weren't calling it. And uh, I believe after the game, it was even Zach Brown that said that, yeah, that was, you know, what he was very critical of the refereeing of the referees during that. And I could not agree with him more. Yeah, and I also feel like as they got, like you said, as they got more later into the game, they became a little more lenient and let them play a little more because I felt like I saw a carbon copy of the same play where Fabian Moreau went up to defend a pass, and I can't remember who their receiver was, but he was in the same position in the first half on Mm -hmm. this one play, and he got called for a flag, and then the next half he basically played the ball the same exact way and wasn't. And it just Mm -hmm. felt like one of those ones where it's like, like I'm not saying I want him to get flags, but I like to see consistency there. As far as yeah, throw it. yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm with you. It was just a lot of those calls I thought were just absolutely ridiculous. And uh, I mean, at the same time, I'm not one to blame the referees. We got our ass kicked to begin with, yeah. and you know, credit to the Atlanta Falcons. They, you know, outplayed us, out schemed us in every single facet. But it was not uh, helpful to say the least. No, it it really wasn't. And I think, I, I mean, I don't really feel like I'm going to take this loss as hard as I would if it were like, you know, number one division team or number one a team that didn't really have a – like I really think Dan Quinn's a really good coach. I think Matt Ryan's a really good quarterback. So mm-hmm. if we're going to get blown out by a team, I'm a little okay with it being a team where you know that there's a lot of – really good football guys there. Whereas sure. if this had been like the Bucks or something, I'd be very concerned. Absolutely. Oh, well, that's next week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was just, I guess to me, when we talked about those, those disaster scenarios and yep. those certainly occurred on the offensive side of the ball today with the lack of Adrian Peterson being successful on the ground and then Alex Smith having to chuck it 46 times. So, you know, the list goes on, but you know, something that really took me by surprise was how bad the defense was. And, I mean, I know we already talked about um, what Tevin Coleman and Ido Smith were able to do, but, you know, Josh Norman had a bad game. That um, pass interference call on Julio was just, uh, you know, outrageous. Um, and, you know, it was just – it was a disaster in, in areas that I even consider to be strengths. Yep, and I there's one stat that really stuck out to me from mm-hmm. the defense, and it was the third down efficiency of the Atlanta Falcons because they were perfect on third down, I believe, until late in the third quarter. I think they were eight for eight to start out the game on third down, which is just not only does that just absolutely deflate your Unbelievable. defense. Unbelievable, yeah. yeah. It just deflates your defense physically and emotionally I feel like and just mm-hmm. makes you makes you not want to play because your body's hurting because you can't get off the field and you're also mm-hmm. mentally just completely shut down because you feel like you can't stop these guys yeah absolutely no I, I'd agree with you and it's um we agree on a lot this yeah. <laughs> I wish we we could uh, have some uh, con- contrarians here but you know anyways it's man I'm pissed off yeah <laughs> Man, it's a bad game. It really, really was. I I feel good that they got it out of the way, though. I, I mean, 
if they had to have one, I'm okay with it being against the Falcons, mm-hmm. just because I feel like it's not one of the. Well, I'm really not. I actually almost rather have it be against a team like the Bucks, who you know you're not going to have to mm-hmm. have a playoff tiebreaker over, because yeah. I would be very, very upset if we were fighting with Atlanta for that sure. uh, wild card spot and they have the tiebreaker. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about it though, but like, can you imagine? Like the, for lack of better words, the shitstorm it would be if we were, you know, say three and five as opposed to five and three. Yeah. And Alex Smith is playing the way that he's currently playing. And, you know, we got Josh Norman having these inexcusable penalties. Josh Doxson doing, getting penalized and dropping consecutive balls. It would have be it would be an absolute nightmare. And Jay Gruden would be on a hot seat. I think to some degree he's already on the hot seat just because yeah. I mean he's had he's gone through I've said this time and time again, he's been through I believe three three quarterbacks now. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do it with and he's had every type of quarterback. He's had one RG three mm-hmm. who was younger, then he had Kirk Cousins who mm-hmm. was his pocket passer that he was basically asking for when he wasn't working with RG three. And now he's moved on to a, a veteran quarterback who can run his offense, we hope. So if he mm-hmm. can't if he can't get it right with Alex Smith, I think you might just have to pull the plug on the whole Gruden era. Yeah. Yeah. Would you um let's say let's fast forward to the spring. And if Alex Smith has the season that he's having currently, are you looking at a quarterback in the draft? I mean, I think you always have to do your due diligence, obviously, like look at them, but mm-hmm. I really do think you you um you do draft one and I would draft mm-hmm. one high. Just because, I mean, Cole McCoy's not your future. Let's be, let's be real. He's, he's just Agreed. your back, your back, mm-hmm. right and that's all they have. And I really didn't think Nate Sudfeld was the future, or like no Kevin Hogan. Because Agreed. They, I mean, they're just fillers for the roster. But I think if you could just get like, you know, do what they did in KC, draft a guy, maybe not first round, maybe like second or third, and mm-hmm. just get him to sit behind Alex Smith, let him develop for a little bit, and then put mm-hmm. him in a few years down the road. And he could probably ball out. I mean, you've seen it happen with – Well, it happened to Alex Smith in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. Yep. It was a second-round pick. And, um, yeah, I, I would I would consider that to be the case. Probably not a first-round pick given how much money that we're, you know, allotting to yeah. Smith. Um, he's going to be here at least a starter for the next – I mean, this year and probably next year, who knows, uh, following. But, you know, that would be – Something I feel like that I, I agree with you in terms of doing your due diligence, but at the same time, I, I think they have the affordability to take a second or third round flyer on a quarterback with high upside, knowing that he needs to sit. So, you know, that could very, very uh, well be the case. I, I don't know what this year's quarterback class is going to look like, but um, from what I've read, it's a bit uh, inferior to what yeah. was coming out this most recent year, but, you know, I'm okay with it. Part of me is a little a little reluctant to do that because I would fear that we'd have a quarterback um, controversy you know, start in their third year and then have a good season and then we'd get stuck in the Kirk Cousins debacle and I don't know if I could go through. That oh, again. I don't think I can mentally handle that again. That, I'm that with would you. just be terrible. So I think maybe yeah. maybe not this year because, like you said, the quarterback class is a little bit is a little bit less than what it was this year. So maybe wait mm-hmm. until maybe 2020 draft and then pull the trigger on a QB. Just on sure. like a season, so I they definitely have to start looking at it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think at as from what we've seen, Alex Smith is not the quarterback that's going to take you to the Super Bowl. 
I mean, that's no. just, we've seen that his whole career, and he's really only backed that point up to this point in Washington. So I mm-hmm. think you definitely need to start looking at younger QBs. Uh, I'd agree. I think uh, hopefully they will, probably. Um, you know, so moving forward, we're almost at the 30-minute mark. So we play Tampa next week um, against a, another team that's in disarray, and they lost um, to the Panthers 42-28. to Looks like Ryan Fitzpatrick is now the quarterback. Jameis Winston has since been benched. And uh, their head coach, Dirk Cutter, would most likely to be on the hot seat, I would presume. You know, this is a game that, um, you know, on paper, we're better than. Uh, I would say, other than their skill position players on the offensive side of the ball, uh, I would say confidently this is a team that we are superior to. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And I think, I think you not only need to win next week, you mm-hmm. need to blow them out. Like, this is a must-blowout game with, yeah. just to show people – I would almost take – I mean, obviously you're going to be more upset if you lose than if you win, but I would almost take like a like a five-point win as more of like, like eh, like okay. Mm-hmm. But if you, you know, go to their stadium, mm-hmm. you win by two scores or more, and you just show like, yeah, we're beating teams and we're blowing out teams that we're supposed to be a lot better than, I think it would definitely make people really look at them as real, real contenders. And yeah. basically – not completely shadow this game and make it seem like a outlier, but it would definitely help. No, I, I agree. And I would feel like for the out, outsider's perspective where when they see oh, the Redskins five and three, huh? How yeah. it's, and if they really want to be given the respect lead wide. And I feel like our defense certainly has that, but they need to blow a team out. And really the only team that they did was the Panthers. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals who are going to be picking in the, you know, going to have a top five pick uh, come this spring. Yeah, I mean, that that game provided provided me with a little bit of hope that they are better and that they can blow out teams that they're supposed mm-hmm. to blow out. But then you look at the next week, the Colts game, and they lost, and it was terrible. And yep. the Colts are, I believe, that they only have two wins, I think, up to this point. So mm-hmm. that's that's one of those games. I mean, they can kind of balance out as to what are you. And that's been yeah. sort of the theme of the season is, what are the Redskins? What's their identity? And I, I, I still don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good summarization where I think looking back on the Saints game, and especially with what New Orleans did today, beating the undefeated uh, Los Angeles Rams, that is a team in Super Bowl contention. Yeah. Um, you could very well make that case that they're the best team in the league right now. I think they've won like six straight, something like that. Um <clears throat> You know, at the the Colts game was, I, I would say, an aberration where the Falcons are, you know, despite underachieving to this point, they're still going to be, you know, taken seriously. And, uh, you know, I don't know how serious to take this Redskins team. I, I, I don't. I am completely torn. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes you nervous when you have games like this. It's like, okay, if we do make the playoffs, is this what's going to happen? Are we just going to mm-hmm. get – absolutely throttled in this first round, just go home early and just, I mean, you never know. They need to start winning and they need to start winning big Mm -hmm. for people to start trusting them. And I think to build a little bit of confidence, because I think in the back of their mind, as good as these wins feel against the Panthers and the Packers, they have the same fears that the fans do that, you Mm -hmm. know, are we real? And I think if they can get one of these big wins against Mm -hmm. a big team, which they don't really have, huge team left on the roster if they can beat philly twice one or two times that'd be really good if they can sweep one of these other division teams 
I yep. think that they can get Mojo up. Yeah, absolutely. I would say at the absolute minimum, um, you have to finish 500 in the division. Yep. And um, that is a minimum being an understatement. Yep. Um, the Giants need to be swept. And if you could split with Philly and you know probably the same uh, with, with Dallas splitting those teams, then you know, that's a winning record. I'll take it. Yep. And that is, you know, we, we said causation, correlation. You need to succeed in your division in order to advance to the playoffs. Yep, definitely. Yep. And I believe for the last two times they made the playoffs, mm-hmm. they've had winning records in the division, and that's been the only time that they've had uh, winning records within the division in the last uh, five or six years. So, Jack, you are correct again. Division, <laughs> yeah, division, yeah. division games are very, very important. Absolutely, I agree. So, with that being the case, what do you got for? Next week against the Bucks. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna predict a blowout because I want to be mm-hmm. happy, surprised. I'll say 21-10 Washington. Okay, that's a good offense in Tampa. I know. Despite 21-10. Okay, Redskins win. Better with no. Fitzpatrick and Winston. All right, now that my streak has been broken, now that the, I predicted the Redskins will lose and they lost, so now I can be a little bit more rational. Yeah. You know, I, I'd say the Redskins will win this, uh, win in a week, and it will be 24 2. Let's go 20. Okay. Redskins. I always feel like I go to that 24 mark threshold. Hey, if there's anything to come away with, something good to happen this, this uh, game was we scored a third quarter touchdown. Oh, thank you. That God. never happens. Yeah, the monkey's off the back with that one. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, I wish this was a happier podcast, but, you know, I'll take uh, five out of three. Um, Before we go, I I want to tell everyone listening about the DMV Seasons Library of Podcasts. They have the NBA Quick Report. NBA Quick Report podcast on Sundays. Our show uh, will be released tomorrow morning on Monday. There's another one called It's About Time DC, a show that covers all things DC sports on Tuesdays. Ed on the Wizards every Wednesday. God bless his heart. The two-win Wizards. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy Fever with Marcus Hemingway on Thursdays. And the Dom and Thunder Show, which covers national topics with a bit of a emphasis on D.C. sports on Fridays. Oh, there is also a Caps podcast, a D.C. power play on Saturdays. So, you know, what, what I find this to be really cool, it's uh, – I wouldn't say this is a slogan, but this is – the DMV uh, season, this network that they use is just, it's for fans and yeah. it's by fans like this. You know, we're not, you know, national media members or anything like that. We're just, you know, I would say uncut uh, and opinionated. Yep. And, you know, I feel like I, I, I like listening to people with, you know, similar opinions and are as emotionally invested as I am. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you there. Definitely. I think to some degree, listening to more fan-based podcasts are a lot more interesting just because the opinions are pretty raw and they're pretty, mm-hmm. they're pretty accurate. Whereas a lot of the national stuff doesn't really get the sort of mm-hmm. view that a lot of fans get when you follow sure. a team as closely as some fans do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jack, I will talk to you uh, next week. Uh, that'll do it uh, for us tonight. Hope you enjoyed the show. We appreciate anyone and everyone who listens. Please feel free to subscribe to us uh, where all podcasts are available, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Uh, If you could leave us a review, that would be fantastic. 
And uh, again, my name is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Natali. My last name means Christmas. I love <laughs> saying that in Italian. And uh, Jack, you are at again? Uh, Jack P. Brizendine, capital J, capital P, capital B. There it is. All right, Jack. Well, you have a good night, sir. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you next week. Okay.